Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. And this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. And I do want to encourage you as we uh, dig, dig in this morning to reach out. Um, it has been a season of texting and emails and phone calls out from me and Evan to our community and back to us. And in the midst of that, maybe we've connected a while ago or just recently, this is going to be a big focus for us over this winter is to be in touch with each other. Not only between us as pastors and your friends and to our community, but between each other. And we're going to talk about all the ways. We're going to build in a whole bunch of capacities into Lake Ridge over this season to help us get through in a very healthy way. Even already, Kelly and I are sitting down and going, how are we going to survive this winter? Uh, and you might be in that place. Maybe you are fine. Uh, maybe you, you have your survival plan figured out. But we're, we're going to be talking about this quite a bit over the next while. And uh, I think that it's going to be essential for us. I think if we don't plan for the health of our hearts, for our souls, for our relationships, for our emotions, we, are, we, we run the risk of finding ourselves in a very tough, tough place. And so this is a winter that we are going to be focusing quite a bit on that. Hey, we're working through a sermon series called For Chestermere, and we're really talking about how Jesus was for different people and places that he came across, and how he was on side with. And it surprised a lot of people that Jesus was on side with them, uh, and that he, was, uh, he, that he entered into their stories. And we might be surprised that Jesus is for us too. We might put a big caveat beside that. We might say, Jesus is for Preston, except... Jesus is for Hector, well, only when, you know? And we might put these little caveats on it. We might not say it out loud, but we have those on. And we're taking a look at the way that Jesus stepped into the story with a new caveat, and it is the caveat that God's love is able to be for his people and for other people outside. And it got really interesting really quick as Jesus modeled this. So I actually... I have a handout to, to, to today. This is Nerd Level 11 Preston. I started, as I was writing this message, to start writing down and trying to make sense of the various people that Jesus was connected to, how this person was related to this person, and this series, or this message today is called How Jesus is for the Greeks. Well, I had to go back to my old notes and figure out who are the Greeks? Where did they come from? What was their relationship to Jesus and other Jews? I had to make sense of it. And as I'm writing these things down, I started to like develop this. And then I was like, oh, I got to share this. It's so cool. I made something. And people are going to think this is wonderful. At least one person here will make it. Chris, please tell me that this is good, right? This is, yeah, it's good. See, he's smiling. So Everybody loves a good Venn di diagram, and that is what I made here today. I think we will probably post this up afterwards for anybody watching on online, and then you can take a closer look at it. The reason why we are doing this, and the reason why I'm going to show this to you, it might look complex, but I want to explain something. We sometimes, and I'm guilty of this as a pastor and a preacher, I am guilty of simplifying things a little bit too much in the Bible. It was Jesus, and then the Pharisees were just these hyper-religious guys, right? 
or those people over there, the Samaritans were this. Simple, simple. But this oversimplification can sometimes take away what Jesus was doing when he was stepping into a situation. If Jesus was here today, I would make a Venn diagram of the maskers and the anti-maskers. The vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers. The racists and the not racists. The Americans and the Canadians. The East Coasters and West Coasters. The Baptists and the Presbyterians. We would break all of this down into all these diagrams and we would try to figure out if we're on the right side of the line. But here's the thing. We're going to take a look at these people and we're going to see that no matter what side of the line you're on, there was a group of people that said this is the right way. This is the way to navigate our faith and culture. And Jesus came in and he said one thing to every single one of these groups. He said, follow me. Everybody had their way, but Jesus said, follow me. And in the midst of that, he stepped through every one of these spheres and he demonstrated how God was for them. And it's profound. So are you ready for my social studies history class? Okay, this is... If you want to tune out and go and do something else, do. There's bathroom break, whatever. But for those of you that want to nerd out with me for a little bit, we are going to go on a little bit of a history class here, okay? So, the main group of people that we think the Bible is mostly about is the Jewish people. The word Jew comes from the word of Judah. These were the remnant people of God's promise to Abraham that held on to their faith. And they lived in this land, and they held this land, and sometimes they were taken away from this land, and they have a very storied history. And most of the Old Testament is about the Jewish people. And what happened was these people were frequently taken over. They were frequently pushed up against different groups. And so one group that came in pretty early on was the Assyrian people, who later were the Persian people. And these these people came in, and they took over uh, much of it, particularly the north. The north part, the north Jews, they were decimated. And those that were remained, they, they intermixed with them. So suddenly, this kind of pure ethnic group of Jews suddenly had, they were called the half-bloods, right? We have these people around the world today now. I am Métis, which means I am a half-blood First Nations person, right? And French, And I got that inside of me. And in some parts of history, that would have been a bad thing. And my family had to flee, actually had to leave from parts of southern Manitoba. And they had to go up to a part of northern Saskatchewan with a lot of other half-bloods, right? Now, I'm several generations removed from that, so that, that identity is a little bit different in me and other Métis people now. But the Samaritans were these people. They were the half-bloods. They were Jews, but not full Jews. They were half-bred by the enemy, the bad guys, the Assyrians. And so when Jesus tells stories about Samaritans, people are going, oh, we don't like those guys, right? Samaritans, they, they aren't fully Jewish. And in fact, their worship was part Jewish and part something else. And so Jesus talked to them too. Then we have another group. The Greek culture came in. And they didn't necessarily breed in the same way that the Assyrians did. What they brought was a new culture, a new way of seeing things. They said, you Jews, you're so backwater. We're going to introduce you to beauty and art and culture and theater and beautiful ways of government and, and gathering people and 
managing our society and wealth. You're going to be so stinking wealthy. You just come and join us. You can still be Jews, but you're going to do it in a whole different way. We're going to put a box store here called, called Greek and Rome, and you are going to shop there, and it's going to be awesome. And a bunch of these Jews said, that's awesome. Our old Jewish way, that's so old and fuddy-duddy. We can still go to the temple once a year, but mostly we're going to enjoy this brand new way of being. We're going to be free. We're going to have so much money. We're going to have whole different views of the way we do relationships and family and sex, and all these things are going to change. And we're going to be happier. And these are called the Hellenized Jews. They were secularized. They were kind of the Easter and Christmas Jews. Well, I, that's a weird connection. But anyway, but, but you get what I'm saying, right? So, within the Jews, there was these two groups. There was the Samaritans, who were the half-breeds. And then there was the Hellenized Jews, the Greek Jews. And it was a mess. <laughs> they lived in different parts. And if you drove through with your donkey, if, if you walked through their, their neighborhood, they would know what side of the fence you were on. Are you this or are you that? And they would know by the way you talked, the way you dressed, what, what culture you were part of. And then outside of the Jews, then there was even, even worse. There was the Persian Gentiles. If you're not Jew, you're considered a Gentile. That's, that's the word for it. And so over, over to the east were these Assyrians and their descendants, the Persians, and they had the history of Babylon. And if you saw one of them, you didn't even talk to them. You didn't even eat in the same restaurant as them. They were bad news. They were so foreign to you. And then over on the other side, coming from the west, are the Greeks and the Romans with their huge empire and their Caesar. And they don't care a spit about Jews. And so they are pushing in on the other side. And they had taken the place over. And they used violence. And then in between this, I put that there's these Hellenized Persian Gentiles. They're Greek and Persian and they're on the outside too. And they had these ten cities called the Decapolis. So there's the mix. And Jesus steps onto the scene. And they're saying he is going to be the king of the Jews who's going to get rid and make sense and sort this business out by getting rid of them all. And we're finally going to have the purest Jews ever. We're going to have the purest culture with one king who kicks everybody out. We're going to get back to worshiping the right way. Finally. People had some ideas about how this would be done. And so there's five key different ways that people thought, the Jews thought, the world would get fixed. And maybe you have some ways of how the world would get fixed. Depending on what your views on politics are, you're excited for, for the election in, the, in America in just a few weeks, right? The way of American electorate. We put our faith in their ability to vote whatever way you think it should get voted for, right? That is a way, right? These guys had their ways, and there was five key ways. The Jews had these Pharisees. These were the people who were raised up as a subculture of people who they took it upon themselves to teach the rest of everybody in a very popular way that they would teach your kids and your family at the local synagogue. And it was a culture of teachers. And they were like, listen, in the face of all this pressure from outside, we're going to put one foot down and we're going to teach you how to follow the Bible the right way, how to follow God. And so these Pharisees, they were really good at this. And in fact, some of you would probably be cheering them on because there's all this cultural pressure. And these Pharisees, they took a stand. 
they stood there and they stood on whatever God said and they said, not only are we going to stand for God, but we're going to protect God. We're going to make extra rules. And then we're going to make extra rules to protect those rules. And by the end of it, you aren't even going to be able to breathe because there's going to be so many rules to keep you safe from all the bad outside stuff. And so if you saw a Pharisee come into town, you would stand up straight and wonder, have I been following all their rules, all their religious rules to keep me right with God? They wanted to preserve the cultural identity. They were devout and they were crusty. Some of these people were maybe not the kind of people you'd want to spend some time with. I know that I wouldn't. On the other side of this, if these people wanted to make things right by the way of the Pharisee, there was another group that wanted to make things right with a sword. These were the zealots. These were people who wanted, in the darkness of night, to stab somebody if they could. And particularly, they wanted to stab any of the bad guys. The Romans, these people who brought in outside stuff. If they came in with swords in their troops, these zealots were ready in the darkness of night to take a swipe at somebody. You know when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was betrayed, somebody took out a sword and what did they do? Chop off one of, uh, one of Caiaphas' assistant's ears, right? He was, a, he, he was exemplifying what the zealots were all about. People around there would have been cheering, saying, great, this is the way we're going to take it over. The way of the zealots. There were some other ways. The Samaritans, these half-breeds, they found another way. They said, we're going to go into the desert. We're going to get away from this mess. We're going to move to Saskatchewan, and we're going to start a little commune there, and we're just going to get away from the crazy, right? And so they, out in the desert, these people called the Essenes, started these little monastic communities. They didn't have to think about anything. They didn't have to rub shoulders with anybody. They could make up their own rules, and they would just go there, and they would rewrite copies of the Bible as they knew it back then. Get away from it all. On the other side, there was a group called the Hellenized Jews. These were Jews who really loved what the Greek culture brought. None of this old fuddy-duddy religion of the Pharisees. None of this pulling out your sword and stabbing people. We can get along with Rome. We can be their friends. We can work with them. It'll be great. They make roads and, and, and proper toilets. This is, this, is, this is the life, right? And so a guy named Herod and several other kings, they were Jewish, but boy, they had one hand firmly in the hand of Caesar. They were like, we're going to make this place as Roman as anything. In fact, Herod built more palaces for himself than Caesar did back in Rome. He said, we're, we're, we're going to be so Roman, we're going to double down on this. We're going to make so many beautiful buildings, so many big structures. Even when Jesus' disciples, they were walking through Jerusalem and Herod was building the place out, trying to make it as Roman and big as possible. And as they were walking through, Jesus' disciples were like, Jesus, check this place out. Since we've been here last, they're building the walls and building buildings. This, this place is amazing. And they were awestruck by it. And they were expecting Jesus to be awestruck too. They turn to Jesus. They're like, well, let's check this king out. He's good. And Jesus goes, yeah, none of these buildings you see, they aren't going to be here for very long. Must have blown their mind. Jesus had a different way. And then there was one last one, the fifth one, the way of Caiaphas. He was the high priest. You couldn't come and have a right relationship with God before going through him. Caiaphas knew the way to God. He was aristocratic, he was wealthy, and he wanted to let you know. He was in charge of everything. And the temple had this whole other culture of people called the Sadducees. 
which were very wealthy, aristocratic people who ran the temple. You got to keep the gold shiny. You got to keep the system in place. You got to keep the tax money going into the right place, right? They had it all planned out, and they were managing the temple system that really had little to do with God. So, five ways the way of the Pharisees, the way of the zealot, the way of the Essenes, the way of Herod, and the way of Caiaphas. They all had a way that things were going to get made good again. Do you have a way? I have the way of Preston sometimes. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pay off this debt. I'm going to tell these people where to go. I'm going to fix this. If only my kids will start doing this and less of that. The way of Preston. Into this culture comes Jesus. And Jesus steps in and speaks something that I think people didn't expect. Some people thought out of the gate that he must have been a Pharisee because he was teaching. He was telling people about the way of God, but he was doing it differently. Some people thought he was a zealot. Some people were afraid that maybe Jesus would rise up an army and take on Rome and fight their way out. So some people like to carry swords. Maybe, maybe he was an Essene. He did go out and meet John in the wilderness, and he did go spend some time in the wilderness. Maybe that's the way of God, is to just get away from it all. Ah, maybe he's a future king. Maybe he's going to take on Herod and make a better kingdom. Finally, the kind of kingdom we need that gives the finger to Rome or works with it in a better way. Or maybe he's going to be the great high priest that takes over the temple finally. And Jesus does something different. He meets people and he speaks some different kind of life. Luke 18, he tells this story that I think paints the way that Jesus enters into it all. He says this. He tells a parable story. Then Jesus told the story of someone who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. You can see, you know, a good Jewish teacher who had everything figured out. Was teaching everybody. And the other was a despised tax collector. If you were worshiping in the temple and you're a tax collector, you're probably a Hellenized Jew. You're working with Rome, but you're also worshiping and trying to be a good Jew. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. Do you know why he was standing by himself? You only stand by yourself when you don't want to be get dirty by anybody else, right? Or you don't want to get COVID. Those are the two reasons why you're trying to stand by yourself, right? The first socially distanced guy in the Bible here. He was standing by himself. And he prayed this prayer. He said, I thank you, God, that I'm not like a sinner, like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. Listen to this guy. This isn't actually how you pray. Do you know how you pray? You say, thank you. You say, help me, and I confess. These are the ways that you pray. But he isn't. He's using this chance to tell somebody what he thinks, right? So he's speaking up and he's saying, this is who I am. And the people would have been standing socially distanced around him and being like, oh, oh, listen in. Okay, you don't do this, you do that. Oh man, this Pharisee, what a holy guy. The way of the Pharisee is going to be our future. To just get everything finally right. I'll try that too. The way of the Pharisee. But the tax collector stood at a distance He's distanced for a different reason. (laughs) 
And he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow. In Middle Eastern culture, there's only a few reasons to beat your chest. And it's because you're really, really, really sad. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Jesus tells this story. Probably let that sink in for a little bit. Is it the way of the Pharisee? Or the way of this tax collector who's trusting God? And he says this, I tell you this, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home, justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humble, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This would have shocked his, the people listening in. That this guy that had it all right, that was standing in the temple, undefiled and pure in every way, he's standing there and God's saying, this guy didn't return home right with God. But this Hellenized, this Greekish Jewish guy, who's siding with Rome and doing all the things wrong and bad to his own countrymen, he is the one who's returning home right with God. This would have been a shocking revelation that suddenly Jesus just widened the circle for who can be right with God. And guess what? His prayer wasn't a CV. It wasn't a resume of what he did right. It was, God, I need you to make me right. I confess my sin. I need you. I trust you. I don't trust this temple. I don't trust my high learning. I don't trust my even inability to keep away from all the sins. I trust you. This is why Jesus was for the Greeks. Because he said, all you need is to trust that I am for you. And he was able to leave, not with his bow-beating chest thumping, but he was able to leave right with God. This is the good news. Throughout the book of Acts, later on, I put some scripture at the bottom, but throughout the book of Acts, we end up seeing all these people who are suddenly being made right with God, and they aren't even at the temple anymore. These are people who are way out in the depth of Greece. They, they're way out on the fringes of my map here, and they are meeting Jesus, and they're coming to trust him too. And if you take a look, there's some more little circles way off on the edge here. I don't know if you noticed that, but there's Lake Ridge Community Church in the middle of a bunch of circles. And those circles represent, well, all the anti-maskers, pro-maskers, anti-Trumpers, pro-Trumpers, Kenny people, not Kenny people. I mean, we we got it all here. And we believe right here and now that guess what? The good news of Jesus is for us and for our city right now. Right? Don't don't go all Pentecostal on me now. Come on. Keep it under control. Whew. To rein this in a little bit. The way of Jesus for all. For the Pharisees and their burdensome endless rules, Jesus taught by showing grace and and letting everyone in on God's love for them. Do you know how we talk to people who are hyper-religious? Who want to put a bunch of rules around God to keep out the dirty people? You know what we do? We, we don't just tell them. We show them what grace looks like. That's what we do. We follow the way of Jesus and we let everyone in on God's love for them. It's risky. It's risky, but this is what Jesus did and he took the greatest risk and he took it on himself on the cross. 
for the zealots and their violence. Do you know any violent people? I know some violent people. They drive me crazy. But they want to do it for the right reasons. They, they want to punch something on social media. They might not do it in person, but, but they are mad about something, and they're going to start stomping around until it's made right. Well, this is what Jesus did. Jesus hung on a cross to overcome the true accuser. You know, if there's somebody in your life who is an accuser, you know, there's only one accuser in the Bible. That's Satan. The way of Satan is to accuse. If you are an accuser, or you know accusers, that is not the way of God. Accusation is a sign that we aren't walking in the way of God. So we do not accuse. And if somebody's coming at you accusing, they are walking in the wrong way. But Jesus, he hung on the cross. He sacrificed to say, this way of peace is the way forward. That's why we are people of peace. For Herod and his rule with all his grandeur, if only we had a king, somebody to rule us. Jesus, he ruled as a king, but guess where he did it? Around tables. In community. He gathered on front porches and back porches, around barbecue, no pork, but they ate good food. And they gathered around meals, and that's where his true kingship reigned. Do you want to know how the rule and reign of Jesus will break into Chestermere? It's through your kitchen table and your living room. That's where the kingdom of God will be established, on your street, and it will spill out onto your back porch and wherever you go. For Caiaphas, the priest who stands between us and God and says who's allowed in and who isn't, Jesus, he takes us right into relationship with the Father. Guess what? I often think that our church is a church full of pastors who don't crack open the door to let certain people in or out, but instead we walk with people into relationship with Jesus. Jesus takes us all into relationship with the Father. And for the Essenes who wanted to be pure in their desert, who wanted to run away from it all and hide Jesus rubbed shoulders in the crowd and he loved the world. We are for Chestermere because we are following a person named Jesus who walks into the world and in counter-cultural way against every other way that wants to have power and strength or violence or um, separation. Jesus comes in and he says, follow me. I'm going to take you into the world. I'm going to show you how I rule and reign here. That's the good news. When Jesus says, follow me, he's inviting us into every sphere to walk with Jesus and free us from every way that is not for those who God loves. So, I gave this to you because I thought what you might do this week is draw your own little circles. <laughs> Maybe you could draw a version of what your Chestermere looks like. Maybe you come from a background where there was groups that were in and there was groups that were out. Maybe you have pressing worldviews that are pushing in on your life that say, this is the way. Maybe you have a neighbor who plays their music too loud and they have a very big circle in your life. I don't know what your circles look like, but I'm going to challenge you this week to draw your circles. Who is in, who is out. What you're trying to hold on to and then I would like you to invite Jesus to show you the way that Jesus is walking through the people around you. When elections come up or you open on Twitter 
or you read something you don't like, or you get angry about somebody around you, to say, is the way of Jesus already present here? I think we are going to open with eyes and hopefully have eyes to see. Please stand with me. Friends, it's possible that for such a time as this, with COVID and cultural unrest and challenges all around us, it's possible for such a time as this that the Spirit of God has come on you and your community has come on you and has said, I prepared you to walk in my way in this time. I prepared your kitchen table. I prepared your world to be a place of hospitality for others. I prepared you to think through the complexities of this and follow me. I prepared you to set aside any way that is counter to the way of Jesus and open up a door and a window of grace for those around you. I prepared you. The other night, Kelly said to me, she goes, Preston, there's been a little bit more peace in our home recently. Why is that? I said, I don't know. She goes, I think I know. You have been changing the way you relate to those of us in this house. I said, it's true. I've been thinking about that. That the way of Jesus is better than the way of Preston. She goes, I can tell. I'm tired, I'm going to go to bed now. I said, thank you. Friends, we can walk the way of Jesus in our homes and wherever we go. Mask on, mask off. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace as you follow in the Jesus way. Amen? Amen. Thank you, everyone. Go in peace. Have a great week.